Thank you for listening to the Skift podcast. Today's episode features a session from the recent Skift Global Forum, which took place in New York City in September of 2022. To learn more or join us at the next Skift event, visit live.skift.com. Enjoy the conversation. Please welcome Vice Chairman and CEO of Expedia Group, Peter Kern, in discussion with Skift founder and CEO, Rafid Ali. All right. Um, Peter, you're ready to tackle Seth. You said, why is it Expedia yeah, as a product innovator? Innovation was up there. Up I there. Know. Okay, so let's, let's, let's get into this. So thank you again for coming. I know you were there last year. You were there on, on video as well. You've spoken um, since you took as CEO. So um, one of the, the big questions that I wanted to start with is uh, the first 20 years, 25 years, is very much exponential growth of online travel. You booking, Airbnb has emerged, Seatrip, et cetera, Trip.com, um, have become large players. The ex- it seems like the exponential growth of online travel phase is over. And now, Seth had this slide about either you have overwhelming scale or you have product innovation. So what is the next phase of, is there exponential growth left? Yeah, well, I think what you're referring to, obviously, is the offline to online trend that drove, you know, certainly North America and the West. Uh, it's still happening in other parts of the world to, to different degrees, but the easy money of we'll just be online and we'll just collect everybody who's decided to book online has certainly uh, lessened over time. Now, there's still a lot of offline travel, and Seth had a slide about some tendency that we're seeing of people when they're nervous about travel to want an actual agent to talk to, and we power thousands and thousands of travel agents with our products, but um, you know, I think they're still going to, as the online products get better and better, we're heavily invested in service, which Seth dismissed, but we are heavily invested in service technology and service capabilities uh, and have invested more and more in that over COVID. So I think as those products improve, and, and he's right, we need innovation, we'll just see more on offline to online conversion. You know, generationally, we'll continue to see it. And I think um, it's a huge market. You know, you mentioned the big four, you know, us booking Airbnb and Trip. Probably together, we're maybe 20% of the, you know, the multi-trillion dollar travel market in the world. Um, so there's the other 80% that belongs to small people, you know, small players, offline players, airlines, hotel chains, direct, all of those things. And I think those are all opportunities, not for us to steal the business, but from our perspective, for us to participate in the business and help those partners uh, drive their businesses. So I think there's huge opportunity. You just have to innovate the products and innovate the business model over time. And, and we think, you know, I don't know about exponential. I'm not, I don't remember exactly when it was exponential. It's been more, maybe it got to geometric and then just linear, but, mm-hmm. um, but I think there's plenty of growth, you know, and for all of us. in the plenty of growth, does M&A feature now in your plan? It might, but it's not first and foremost. You know, we, we were the kind of the first in the market. And they then, brought all these And then we and... You know, bought a lot of things. And we've spent the last couple of years really focusing on uh, bringing our technology, our brands, everything together in and a lot of This was your way. MO. This was your MO to that bring That was the whole together. plan. Yeah, that's what, we, that's what I got here to do. I mean, that's, that's what I realized we needed to do when I got in. And uh, COVID really gave us an opportunity to focus really aggressively on it. And, uh, you know, it's a journey. We're not finished with it. But... Uh, but we've made huge strides and, uh, and we're gonna t- continue to work towards that. So when we're really set up in a great way, 
and we think we have tons of organic growth, yes, we will be in a position to potentially buy other things if we see things that are interesting. But if anything, we've gone the other way during COVID. You know, we merged Agencia, our corporate business, with uh, Amex GBT and made a great corporate company out of that. And they're doing You own a well. stake in that, in that? We own a stake and we power them with supply and technology in the same way our, EP, our B2B business has done for, for many partners and other corporate partners. And so the, the, the number of consumer brands, how many consumer brands do you have now? Uh, we still have over 20 around the world. And what do you want this to come down to? I don't think it's a down to. I think we're focused mostly on our biggest brands, which are Expedia, Hotels.com, and Verbo. Uh, we're certainly continue to service all our customers and all of our brands. But when we talk about focusing our energy in terms of marketing, branding, et cetera, uh, we're pulling most of that energy towards those three brands. And then this coming year, we're launching an overarching loyalty plan called One Key that's going to touch all our brands so that any, if you're in Verbo and you book something and then you want to airline ticket on Expedia, or you want to rent a hotel room on Hotels.com, all of those pieces will attach, and we think that will further bring the brands together and unite them. So it's not a question of will we get to five or three or one. It's just a question of pulling them all together in a logical way that works together for the customer, and then letting the customer drive, drive that. Uh, I should remind people, we, we do have time for questions. So if you want to ask questions, whether in, in room, in person, or people who are watching online, I should acknowledge people who are watching online. Thank you for watching. I know you're watching from all parts of the world. So there is time for questions, uh, and I'll come to the poll in a second. Um, uh, loyalty, you mentioned uh, one key. Yep. Um, you've gone around loyalty a few times with different names. Um, well, each brand had, many brands had their own loyalty and some brands had no loyalty. And so why do you think, uh, one, when general people who are not that aware of the industry, consumers in general, do not associate online travel companies with loyalty. They associate airlines, they associate mm -hmm. um, hotels with loyalty. What role does loyalty play um, what real role do you think loyalty can play for you? Yeah, I think loyalty plays a huge role. And, you know, it's not a competitive role, right? There are people in this room who are probably, I'll talk about our friend Tony, you know, Bonvoy uh, members, and you travel all the time. You're, you travel for business. But most people are not like that, right? There's always going to be concentration in airline um, loyalty programs, in hotel loyalty programs. And with us, you get airline miles plus our, our points. So it's not an either or. Hotels is different. But the real point is that most people don't ever earn enough in rewards programs to get much reward out of it. And for us, we have tens of millions, hundreds of millions of members who can get benefit even if they're traveling once, twice, three times a year and going to different places and staying in different hotels and needing to take different airlines. They can still get benefit. They can get member prices. They can get package prices. They can get points that are worth money, not like I have to save up 80,000 of them to get you know, toast or a waffle or something. So uh, I, think, um, you know, I think we serve a really important role there. Now, we haven't done it in a really synthesized way. We've had different programs, and it was sort of the like pick your brand, pick your program, or pick no program. Now we're saying, no, we want everybody to get the benefit of it. We want everyone to be tied together, and we want people to enjoy our brands as a family of brands and products as opposed to discrete things you just go into and think of as a single brand. And so um, one of the things that's a big part of, it, of your business is B2B. That's been there. Ariane is running it out of London. Uh, she's done an amazing job. Um, was, did you consider Agencia as B2B? 
So we, we sort of thought of it that way because it wasn't exactly like our, our retail, you know, consumer. OTA consumer business. Um, but it wasn't really the same at all. I mean, it was, it was very driven by an end user that we had to service in a different way with a different set of products. And that's really the decision we made during, during COVID, which was it's a very different undertaking to go sell corporate partners and to go service corporate partners. It looks very different than the consumer business. And there are companies who are wholly focused on it, like Amex GBT and others who we power. And we said the real power of what we're doing is to power partners with supply, power them with technology. We've talked a little bit about, you know, we've started this open world project, which is basically to turn all our technology into microservices so that partners can take some or all or smaller partners can use it. Um, and that was really our drive. So we said, let's turn Agencia into the same thing. Let's put it in the best place to succeed and let's turn it back into the thing we're really good at, which is powering supply, powering technology. So it's now basically looks like the rest of our business and our B2B business, whereas before it was kind of a unique, special thing. And so B2B, how big is that as part of the overall company today? It's a very big business for us. I mean, in, it, we don't uh, disclose all the numbers, but in 2019, it was you know, nearly a $20 billion throughput business. Now, it's going to evolve, not just because we think it can grow, but because um, there are different kinds of partners coming on board. As I said, we power lots of loyalty programs, bank loyalty, AARP, all kinds of things. Um, we also power some smaller ones. We just announced. Hopper as well, Hopper. Hopper, uh, we, we have Frederick is here. happy to power Hopper and they're doing great. Um, but we power, you know, we just announced a deal with Built, which is a FinTech company for renters, you know, right. who pay their rent through it. So anytime there's a pocket of consumers that a company has, you know, a special relationship with, we can help them use travel to monetize that relationship, put value back into their partnerships. But those are our big old school ones. The new world is where we now have someone piloting just using our fraud service. We have best in class fraud detection services. So we have a travel partner piloting using that just as that service. We have many partners interested in using service as a service. So we would use our service technology, perhaps even our people to answer calls and serve their customers more efficiently and better than they can. So you take it all the way through machine learning, all kinds of technology capabilities, like there's lots of pieces. So we think there's a future where that happens and then a future where smaller players, you know, our technology was built mostly for enterprise partners. It right, took a lot of work to right. stand up a bank or stand up AARP. But we wanna to get to the point and on, on a road to get to the point where small entrepreneurs can use our technology to get into the travel business. So if you're a, an influencer and let's say you've got 100,000 followers because you write about uh, travel for people with physical disabilities. We can power you to turn those ideas into trips, into hotel options, into whatever, and you can literally put it wherever you are, Instagram, whatever, and, and you can power your own travel business and participate in that travel economy. So not just a link off, not just an affiliate deal, but, but a real ability to sell travel. So that's the future we see, and we think you know we're, we're extremely well positioned yeah, I think you announced uh, a small thing where TikTok influencers can use your API. I think TikTok is in the room as well, uh, the people who work in the travel yeah. part, for them to be able to sell travel as well. Yeah, yeah, we're working across all the fronts that you would expect us to work across, and it's not where we want it yet, but, but it's all linked together. You know, our ability, and I know it's a popular topic, some of my competitors have talked about it, but our ability to drive a trip end to end. You know, we, we've been selling all the products for a long for time. For a long time, correct. And, uh, and we have, you know, I'm happy to talk to Seth about all the innovations we have in our product that we've delivered uh, recently. But, uh, 
you know, those same innovations play through all our partner relationships. So it, we have a new tool uh, called Tripboards, which is basically an ability to build a trip, you know, save things into trips, and then actually pull your friends or family if you're traveling with, we're traveling together with our families, and I say, hey, how about this flight? How about these three hotels? You say, no, I like these three, and we go back and forth and choose that collaboration capability. Those kinds of, of technologies are technologies we can bring to our business partners so that they can drive it. So all of those innovations that we do for ourselves are opportunities to drive business. For and um, it looks like Booking.com is taking your, Booking Holdings is taking your playbook that bought two large B2B companies in the last year. Um, one, what's your sense of them competing against you on the B2B front? And two, um, would you do more M&A? I mean, there's a lot of tech companies in here, hotel tech, et cetera, et cetera. Should they be talking to you? Listen, I, as I say, we're, we're not closed for business. We're not, we don't have some big aggressive M&A plan either. Um, but I think uh, the reality is, it's never gonna be a one player market. You know, we don't expect to own 100% of the market, but we think we have great products. We think we have great service, which is really important if you're gonna entrust your customers with a partner. Uh, we think we have best in class service. You need to take care of your customers. Uh, and we think the way we're building our technology, you know, we had a problem, but the, in solving the problem, we've got a great opportunity, which is our problem was multiple stacks, multiple technology yes. constructs. Now we're pulling it all in, together into one unified platform. The opportunity in doing that is we are rebuilding many things, and if you rebuild them in a way that's purpose-built for extensibility to, to drive it to other partners, now it becomes tools and capabilities that are much easier for partners to adopt through APIs, et cetera. So the idea of just saying it or buying, you know, we've bought a lot of companies that had tech, old technology that did some things pretty well, but getting to the new new of like the future of the world and APIs and being able to provide microservices that's a tough journey. It's one we've been involved in for the last two years. We probably have some more time some to go, time. but whoever starts next is gonna to have to start at the beginning. Uh, let's quickly put up the poll uh, that we have. What do you think is the number one driver? Price is still uh, the biggest factor, no surprise. The question I have is one of the things that you and I talked about in our call previously, and your team has stressed to me is, and I think you said in the earnings call as well, you are you want to focus now on the higher value customer, uh, away from the mass of the people. That's not exactly. That's what not we, what he said. That's okay. not what we mean. Okay. I might have said it, so maybe I misspoke. But um, <laughs> what we mean is we want to focus on customers who have high value to us. That might be somebody who books a bunch of two-star hotels, but is loyal to us and is a regular customer that we don't have to go buy out of the market from Google or whomever. Uh, it could be somebody like you who stays in you know, six-star hotels. I don't, Aman, has anybody stayed? <laughs> has anybody, is, is Aman open or is this all just open? I don't know if it's, it's open? just opening. Anybody has stayed there? Yeah. You're not gonna raise your hand who's anyway, got, even if you who's did. Got, who's got five grand a night for the Aman and 57? Five grand? You won't even get into yeah, the hotel yeah. with five grand. You can buy dinner maybe. Um, the, uh, yeah, so it's really about the types of customers and the types of See, we, should, we did show there you your, you go. your Seth should have had this, you know, flight tracking and whatever. Um, uh, it's really about whether they are the types of customers who get the benefits we get, you know, meaning member pricing, loyalty, et cetera, enjoy the product features we have and are likely to stick and be long-term customers, as opposed to just buying in meta, pushing everyone through the funnel, 
and whatever happens, happens. Now, you know, right now, it, it's still the land of the masses, so we're just getting smarter about how to, how to get people to take the right actions to turn them into long-term valuable customers, which means getting our app, getting a member price or points or other things that add value to their trip, and every time we do that, the customer becomes more valuable to so, us. So, but does spending 60%, uh, what's the number? Can we put up that, that slide about the, the marketing nice. expenditure for, uh, yeah. for Expedia versus others? Uh, some 60% of revenues or 55% you spend on Google. Uh, Expedia, this is Q1 number, 53.9%, 1.76. That doesn't help. Um, yeah, marketing spend. Yeah. That doesn't, does, how does that help or distract from creating this direct relationship with the consumer? Well, look, I think, you know, we all do it because we're trying to bring traffic in. The question is, how good are we, any of us, at turning that traffic into long-term long customers? We've talked a good game for years. Everyone said... Actually, Dara used to say, yeah, shame on us. We've got to get rid don't. of Google, and still shame on us. Um, but now I would say, you know, the, the one key loyalty program, our focus on member benefits, all our brand marketing, if you watch it, always talks so about... So you guys have been actually been Expedia, I'll, I'll, I'll say this has been the best at brand marketing for years. The, the TV ads, you were early way more than anybody else uh, in the online travel world. So you've been very focused on brand marketing for Expedia and obviously hotels.com as well. Uh, so where does that figure versus the, the... Well, again, it's not just about the marketing, right? You can bring in people, we can have the best ads and we have the best ad team, you know, marketing team in, in the business. We can have the best ads in the world, but if we're not promoting the right things, if we're not promoting people to use the benefits, if when you get in the product, it's not clear why you want to take certain actions and what the benefits are, then shame on us. Then we haven't done a good job of getting customers to experience the real benefit of being with us. Today, we are getting way more people that come through the funnel to turn into members, to turn into app users than we did two years ago. That to us is really exciting because these people have gotten the benefits seen what the value is, and now we believe they're going to be much stickier and they're going to be long-term customers. So that is the journey we are on, and that is before we've gotten most of the technology improvements we've been building, the one loyalty program, like all of these other pieces that are going to fall into line. So for us, it's a constant drive to do that, and I think um, it's not just about marketing, nor is it about making that number lower, per se. Like We believe that we'll be able to drive more customers into long-term relationships and that therefore we may well be able to spend more money because it'll be more valuable every time the customer hits our product than it used yeah. to be. Yeah. So. so speaking of uh, app, you mentioned Verbo was one of the top apps through the pandemic. Uh, Verbo has been just a breakout, not that it was a new company, but it was a breakout for you. Mm -hmm. uh, you made a big bet on changing the name right before the pandemic. I still thought HomeAway was such a great name, but uh, personally, that's just me. Um, can't go back, sorry. Uh, can't come back. Uh, but so Verbo did amazingly well through the pandemic. Yep. Um, where is it now? Obviously, cities are back. Verbo has not been that strong in the cities historically, full homes, et cetera. So give a quick update on the state of Verbo today. Yeah, I mean, Verbo continues to do really well. And, um, you know, even in 22 with, you know, cities back opened and Europe busy and everything else, Ver Verbo has done terrific. Uh, I think, you know, two things happened, which is we had the tailwind of, the pandemic and people like the idea of a whole home dedicated to their just their little bubble of people whoever that was um, and and we were a great beneficiary of that but the benefit is not only that people did it and we made some money the benefit is people experienced the product which is great 
People downloaded the apps, people you know, explored it, and people got to know the name. I, I often say to our team, when I saw Verbo in a New York Times crossword puzzle, I felt like we had made it. Um, and uh, you know, and now, all those num being number one in downloads, now lots and lots of you and people around the world have that app. They you know, dream on it, they look for their next trip. Um, and we think that's a great opportunity. So we basically got a step function adoption change, if you will, to the, to the brand, to the product. Uh, and, and that pays long-term dividends because people have great experiences with the product. And again, not to belabor the point, next year when they become part of our overall loyalty program, which no other player in alternative accommodations has, has yeah. uh, that will be another added benefit of why you want Verbo and why you want a whole home and the benefits of that. Now, you know, other players have more, more inventory in New York or other cities. And we'll see how that evolves, but we're really... Uh, so you will continue to not have cities as the main focus and whole homes? We have, we have plenty of product in cities, in cities but yeah. we don't have as much. We don't have shared accommodations. There's things we don't do. Right. Um, and that's because our brand proposition is really the whole home experience, and, and we want to be pretty uh, you know, rigid around that. Uh, we think it's a great product. So, you know, again, it doesn't, it's not going to be like all these markets. It's not going to be a winner-take-all. We're super strong in beaches mountain destinations, resort destinations. You know, yeah, would it be nice to be big in New York? Yeah, but not if it was a product that wasn't consistent with our other products. So we'll see where it evolves to, but we like where we are. Okay, so let's get to some audience questions and uh, address the elephant in the room. Uh, Barry. He's so, not, he's um, not in the room. Uh, elephant, his comments hang here in the, in the ether. Okay. Um, we love Barry. Love Barry. Uh, how can you not love Barry? Yeah. And obviously, he's earned the right to say whatever the fuck he wants. Uh, and so, um, absolutely right. It's true. Uh, and so, um, the question is, how does Barry's comments help Expedia with recruiting? I have a more uh, <laughs> more specific question, um, which is that you uh, he he said the the work from home is is crock is the word he used. That was our headline. Um, why wouldn't it be? Um, and so. <laughs> You just opened a campus. This campus was um, was commissioned before you became the CEO. You were obviously part of the board. You probably approved it as well. Beautiful campus, uh, gorgeous uh, grounds, etc. Dennis has been there uh, as well. In one, what's the what's your views on? I'm guessing you're left of Barry on left of Jamie Dimon on this. Yeah, I don't know if there's a left or right, but I, I think um, yeah. Listen, I, I share Barry's belief that. Uh, being together creates a lot of uh, energy, a lot of uh, innovation, a lot of ideas. You know, we, we are trying to foster it, and we've said, uh, you know, 50% of the time or more, you need to be in the office for that very thing. But on the other hand, we've been a global company for a long time, right. teams working across time zones, people working at night and mornings from home. So we've adopted over a long period of time to different practices to accommodate that. Now, hybrid works hard. Like, we're all trying to figure it out. I don't think there's... What do you do personally? Anytime I'm in a city with, that has an office, I'm in the office. Um, so, you know, I travel all over the place. Right. We have an office here. I was there yesterday. Um, I'll be there later today. Uh, when I'm in Seattle, I do the same thing. When I'm in London, I do the same thing. When I'm in Austin, I do the same thing. But that's why I'm there. I'm going to see people. I'm going to meet with people, et cetera. I'm not coding by myself, in a, you know, and, and need quiet time to code. And we have many different job classes. We have people in commercial jobs that are in sales. They're off on the road talking to hotels, talking to airlines, uh, you know, talking to potential business partners all the time. Like, we don't want them in the office all the time. So 
I think it's very job dependent and it's very uh, company dependent and we're all gonna learn a lot. I think the biggest problem with hybrid work is the onus on managers to be really good about still getting production out right. of people and we've gotta educate them and help train them and that's a new set of skills that we didn't all have to have five years ago. Um, but I think there's clear evidence that it can work, but we gotta make it work. And if we don't make it work, then Barry's right, then we should all be back in the office if we can't make it work. But we're making it work and we believe we, we can drive the best outcome with a hybrid model. So the campus days, I guess you own it now. We own it. So come, visit. Um, come. You can all come. There's plenty of space. Um, there's plenty of space, <laughs> turns out. The, he, he also said that the, all the ESG efforts are, uh, what was the phrase he used? Um, not croc, but something along those lines. Um, I think he you said just, something about empty calories. Empty calories, he said something. Yeah. Um, obviously, you, you, do, you do not believe in it. Well, you right. do not believe in it to the extent that he said, but you also came out with, with, with a release three days ago about social responsibility, inclusiveness, and um, environmental. This is part of your open world um, yep. plan as well. Yep. Quick overview, your sense of sustainability and how much can a player like Expedia, which doesn't actually own these assets, do? Yeah, well, I would say two things. You know, what he said, was, which I don't disagree with, is there's a, it has to mean something, right? It can't just be throwaway, uh, you know, trite comments about platitudes about, like, social responsibility is good. I mean, he does more social good than all, all right. of us combined, right, he, personally. So it's not that he doesn't believe in it, it's that he doesn't want it to be a waste. And we feel the same way, which is, you know, the th things we announced either are relevant to our business or relevant to our industry. And, you know, what we announced was sustainability, uh, the ability to get more uh, underserved groups into entrepreneurship and travel, which is totally consistent with the product suite we're rolling out, and get more people who haven't had the opportunity to travel, travel, because we believe that travel is a force for good and, and more people traveling and experiencing it is good. So that's all super relevant to what we do. As far as sustainability goes, um, yeah, we don't, you know, we don't provide hotel rooms, we don't clean sheets, we don't fly planes, but we provide information to consumers. And I think the more and better information we can provide to consumers, the more able they are to vote with their wallets and drive the outcomes we all hope they want to drive. Now, there's lots of research, you have a lot about people's interest in sustainable travel. People don't always make the, make the trade, you think, for money over sustainability, right. yeah. but we want to put them in the best position to do it. And one of the challenges has been the quality of the information, and uh, that's evolving, and it will get better. But the biggest challenge has been, you know, there's a lot of self-reporting, there's a lot of things in, in, in sustainable numbers that are not uh, hard math, if you will. Or, uh, so. What we want to be is a conduit for information. So we want to allow customers to see what their flight's going to mean, what their hotel choices are from a sustainable standpoint. The issue is just over time, the information has to get better because right now it's, you know, we're, doing, we're all trying as hard as we can, we're doing the best we can, but there's lots of legislation in the US and around the world about companies having to report on carbon right. footprints and other things. That's coming. All of that will help get us better data to provide the customers so they can make good choices. Is the, the last quick, very quick comment, will the business travel spend at Expedia, this is your own company, mm -hmm. come back to what it was pre-pandemic? Well, we have many fewer people, so I doubt it will come back to what it was before. Um, but we are traveling. I mean, as soon as things opened up and we went back to the office in April, um, our people have been traveling. We've got many here. I'm on the road all the time. I mean, our people are traveling. so. Um, you know, I think uh, there were comments about what's looming in recession or not or other things from Seth. 
I think we'll see how that all goes, but we're very bullish on our position. Um, the economy may, the macro world may get tighter, tougher, but we have so much opportunity in what we're building, we don't think that's a big issue, and we're invested in driving it. So we're gonna keep building, keep traveling, and, uh, and that looks like most of the corporate world to me for now. We'll see what the banks do. You know, there'll be some pinch points, and, and uh, you know, corporate travel may feel it a little more macro than, than maybe consumer travel, but, but uh, I'm not worried about corporate travel long term. But well, the good news is all of you, will, Expedia will keep coming to SCIF conferences with the We'll keep coming travel. to SCIF, yeah. Let's end it there. All right. All right, thank you, Peter. Appreciate it. Thanks. This has been the SCIFT Podcast. Thank you for listening.